Colossians 3, verse 1 through 3. So take your Bible, your smartphone, your, your laptop, your iPad, however you get there. We're going to read it together. Colossians 3, verse 1 through 3. Now let me tell you when I preach better, okay? I know you don't know me, and I usually preach on the floor, but the way they got the light set up, I got to stay up here. But I'm usually better on the floor because I can spit about seven rows. I'm good. I mean, I can hit you about seven, eight rows deep. And uh, if, I can, if I can get one out one or two rows deep from the stage, if it lands on your shoulder, just leave it there. You might get healed or something. You have no idea what might happen. <clears throat> um, I preach better if you talk back to me. I don't know what the normal culture of your services are. I've peeked in on you several times and just watched. I know you're, you have the reputation of being a great church. But uh, if you holler back at me, I preach better. And if some of you gets happy and were to try to get up and run or something like that, oh, that's like blood in the water to me. I'll catch you the second time around. <clears throat> and uh, so where I come from, they don't even believe you've had church. All your, sh all your clothes are stuck to you. So uh, anyway, let's have a good time tonight. Let's get informal. Just loosen up. and We're going to have a good time tonight. I want to drop this word in you. Colossians 3, verse 1 through 3. I have several other scriptures, and I'll read them. Uh, from the screen. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where are you? You're hidden. It's amazing to me, everybody's preaching about potential and purpose. and Nobody knows what your potential is. Your life is hidden. How am I going to meet you for a few minutes in a conference and pull your potential out? Your life is, God has taken everything you can be and he has tucked it away somewhere. How do you find it? How do you retrieve it? How do I get to the real me? Because the old me supposedly died. I believe that. We sing about it. We preach about it. I went to the altar. I cried. <coughs> Excuse me, we cried. I said a prayer. I believe the old me died. I just ain't found the new me. Because after I prayed the prayer, I went back and it was the same old world, same old job, same old people, same old talk, same old jokes, same old scenery. But everybody keeps telling me how new I am. Now, come on. I'm real, real now. Come on. I'm real. Somebody say amen. You got, you got, okay, you got five amens. You got to find a place to exhaust them at some time. In the next 30, 40 minutes, you got, you got to at least use five of them up. <clears throat> Let me read it again. If then you were raised with Christ, seek things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died. <laughs> okay, well, where am I? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Lord, bless the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I have something I do as a custom. 
poke the neighbor on both sides and say, here we go, neighbor, here we go. <laughs> I'll preach this as fast as my southern vernacular will allow it. Because um, I don't, I don't want to overtake my stay, but I do sometimes, I, I preach a lot, but then sometimes you just, you don't feel like you're preaching, you feel a little bit more like you're on assignment. I've got a little bit of that feeling tonight. So if I preach a little bit past what would be normal, don't hold it against him um, because I really got something I want to share with you tonight. <laughs> now, when I preach, I will have some random thoughts that look like they're going nowhere and do not tie together, and you're going to be saying, where is he going? And then I come back around and take them in time all together. So just give me a minute here. I don't want to insult your intelligence, but I don't want to assume too much. Christ is not Jesus' last name. <laughs> Christ is his function. Christ is his function. It's not his last name. We know him as Jesus Christ. But the word Christ or Christos means the anointing or the anointed one. In other words, he was the one with the anointing. Anointing is a word we don't hear much in church anymore because we don't want to speak churchese so nobody says church words. But anointing is something you really need to get familiar with. The anointing is the word the Bible uses that is descriptive of you being full of the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, you were born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God Almighty came, Jesus removed your sin, and then the Holy Spirit came and took up residence on the inside of you, and every one of you under the sound of my voice, you are anointed. You're anointed. Anointing is not for people with microphones or people on a stage or people behind an instrument. Every one of you are anointed. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, and that's what we mean by the word anointed. If I heard your pastor preach and I said, man, that word was anointed, what am I saying? I'm saying I sense that it wasn't just you. I sense that the Spirit of God gave you that word and that you were anointed when you were speaking that word. So he is Jesus, the one with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus, when he, when the heavens opened up and the Spirit of God descended on him in bodily form like a dove, he walked out of that experience and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. So when you say the anointing, you're, you're talking about someone and you can tell that the Holy Spirit is taking up residence in them and the Holy Spirit is using them. So now, if you read the New Testament, what it tells you you have, it doesn't tell you you have in Jesus. It says you have it in Christ. Read the whole book of Ephesians. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. It don't say in Jesus. Oh, here we go. Jesus the man came, died for your sins, rose again, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and went back and ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and there he ever makes intercession for you and me. Christ never left the earth. The man came and left. The anointing came and stayed.
the anointing stayed in the earth and began to search for another body to land on. That's why we are called the body of We are the body of the anointing. You do not demonstrate all of the anointing. I do not demonstrate all of the anointing. But when we get together, we are called the body of the anointing. And when we get together, we are dangerous because all of the parts of Jesus begin to come together in one corporate voice. When we get together, anything is possible in this room because we are the body of the anointing in this place. Somebody just say amen. Hallelujah. Can I keep going? Now, he sits right here and he makes this statement. He says, if you were raised in the anointing, raised with Christ, then you died and your life is hidden in the anointing with God. First Corinthians 2 said, who knows God except the spirit of God? And who knows a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Nobody knows who you are but the Holy Spirit. Especially your mind. That's why everybody's frustrated. Because in your spirit, destiny beats, but your mind doesn't have a clue. And so we're frustrated because... We know destiny is in our hearts. We know that there's something in us that will not let us go that causes and pushes us to move forward. But yet in our mind, we are wanderers. So that's why in the middle of verse 1 and verse 3, he takes this time to say, if you have been raised in the anointing and if your life is hidden in the anointing, then you better set your mind where the anointing is. If the spirit knows who you are, then it would do you good for your mind to get in agreement. <laughs> because it's terrible to go through life with the Holy Spirit knowing my destiny, but me never realizing it. Now, let me hit you with something right here, okay? This is good. Here again, he's going to say, Where's, what's this got to do with it? I'll come tie it all up. When God wants something, he doesn't speak to what he wants. He speaks to what holds it. And tells what holds it to let it go. God didn't say, let there be potatoes and let there be strawberries and let there be cucumbers and let there be green beans. He didn't say that. He said, let the earth bring forth. He told the, he told the ground to turn loose what's already in you. In other words, the potential for food was already in the ground. So he spoke to the ground and said, turn loose what I've already put inside of you. So he made the ground turn loose of its potential. He didn't say, let there be Saturn, Uranus, Jupiter, Mars. He said, let the heavens bring forth. Because the potential for every planet and every moon and everything that's in the galaxy was already in the heavens. So God spoke to the heavens and told the heavens to give up their potential. God didn't say let there be trout, let there be grouper, let there be halibut, let there be sea bass. He said let the waters bring forth. And then every living sea creature sprang forth. Why? Because God put everything in the water that was needed for it to have fish. 
So whenever God wants something, he doesn't call out what he wants. He just calls out what holds it and says, turn it loose. So if God has hidden your whole life in your spirit, then every time you hear a word from God, you understand God's not trying to do something from the outside in. God's not trying to get something in your life and move it from the air conditioner vent into your body. It's already in you. And when God speaks to your life, in other words, the thing that's already in you has to give it up. So what if there is already wealth on the inside of you? Then when you hear that word, then your spirit has to turn loose the thing that God's already put in it. What if there's leadership already on the inside of you? What if there's greatness already on the inside of you? Then when your spirit hears that word, everything that's already in you, you begin to give it up. This is not an outside job. This is an inside job. If he starts cranking that organ up, it's going to get ugly in here, I'm just going to tell you. (laughs) Can I keep going? There's a difference between you and you were created when you were made. And God took the dirt of the ground and made Adam. The word make means to take one substance and turn it into another substance. So God took mud and made Adam. The word Adam means mud man. Okay? That's how he makes things. But that's not when he was created. I mean, I'm going to mess with your head. Are you ready to go with me tonight? The Bible says you were created in, here's that word again, Christ. You were created in the spirit. You were created in the anointing before the foundations of the earth. Your mom and dad got together and biologically made you a body. But this ain't the real you. I know we want to pepper it up and we want to jog and we want to lift weights and we want to exercise. And some of you go to the doctor and you get it stitched and sewn and pulled and stretched and everything else. But the fact is, this thing is deteriorating. This thing is dying because this is not the real you. You know what something is because when it dies, it goes back to where it came from. If I take a wooden bench and I'm no longer using it, I throw it back out in the wood pile. Why? Because it was made out of wood, so it goes back to where it came from. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when God was in heaven and he wanted to make man, he didn't look into the sky. He didn't look into the ground. He didn't look into the waters. He looked into the mirror and said, let us make man in our own image. You didn't come out of mom and dad. You came out of God. Your mom and dad gave you a body to live in while you have time on the earth. But you came directly from God. And when you die, you're going to go right back to where you came from. Some of y'all just looking at me like, who is this guy and where did pastor get him? <laughs> Can I keep going? I got to make sure. This is not you. This is just a house. Some of us have a big house. Some of us have a small house. Some of us have a tall house. Some of us have a short house. Some of us have a skinny house. Some of us have a, you know, a, a big house. My wife is a brick house. We got all kinds of houses. This don't matter. This is just a house. 
This is not the real you. Your life is not hidden in your body. Your life is hidden in the anointing. And you were created in the anointing before God ever said, let there be light. So I can't explain this. I done been to four years of seminary. I've taken all them classes. But somehow we existed before we got here. And I knew who I was till I got here. And now who knows a man except the spirit of a man? And your life is hidden in your anointing. So my spirit knows exactly who I am, but my mind ate from Adam's tree. Remember the tree, what it was full of, knowledge. So my mind is filled with information from a sinful, dreadful tree, and my spirit knows who I really am. Dilemma, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There's only, I wasn't a really good student, but I do remember an action verb and a state of being verb. There's only one action the Word of God says defines your state of being. As you think, you is. So my, what I embrace to breathe true defines my reality. So everybody says, how did I get here? You thought your way all the way there. Be careful who has your ear. Because whoever has your ear has your future. <laughs> you are a house made of thoughts. And the Bible says that the way I think ultimately defines who I am. It defines my reality. The information I embrace to be true. I'm not talking about a passing thought that runs through your head. I'm talking about your meditations and what you believe to be true defines who you are. So let me, let me show you. Chase, could I have you right up here? I, I know you're doing the phone. Give somebody else the phone, and we'll bring my oldest son, Chase, up here. I'm going to do an illustration with him. If you would stand right here with me, son. Thank you very much. He's married. <laughs> now, I can't cut you open and find your anointing. Most people, when they talk about Jesus lives in me, they do something like this. Actually, the Bible says out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That word innermost actually means bowels. In the Greek, it means bowels. There's something about that gut feeling. Don't ignore that gut feeling. So somewhere in here is my anointing. Since you have been raised with the anointing, and he knows who you really are, set your mind on things above, not here, on things above, where the anointing thinks. For you died 
and who you really are is hidden in the anointing with God. That's how you're in an atmosphere and something's telling you you don't belong here and you don't even know why. That's why you run in with certain people and somebody said, this is not your people. And you don't, but right here you don't know why, you just feel it. That's why you can walk in a room and you just feel things you ain't supposed to feel. That's why you can, you don't even know them, but something ain't right. Come on. That's why he looks good and he's got money and he's got a nice car and he's treating you right, but something on the inside said, no, no, no. What is that? That is God on the inside. And he's screaming trying to get you information. And he says, it's not her, and it's not him, and that's not your life, and this ain't your environment, and this ain't your people, and this ain't your habit. And he sees you doing things that are not you. And he's screaming on the inside trying to get the attention of your mind. problem is he is in charge of my life. So what if you're anointed for something? It's not whether or not you're anointed to do it. It's can you think it? Because you will not arrive there just because you're anointed. You will only arrive there if you can think it. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I can only arrive at the destinations that I can think. And so why do people like me, these pastors, your pastor, why do we get up and preach this word? I know we're saving the lost, but I just submit to all these churches who just want to get everybody saved that Jesus died so much for so much more than for me to pray a prayer, get dunked, and have a t-shirt. He came that I might have life, and your life is hidden in your anointing. Please, your neighbor, say, do you, do you like this guy? Just look at him. Just say, do you like this guy? Come on. I hope, I hope you're enjoying what I'm saying tonight. Can I go ahead and finish it? All right. Set your mind on things above where the anointing is. So can you think on the level of your anointing? That is your journey. When you get saved, all of your potential moves on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit. And you know what your journey is? Your journey is your mind forever trying to catch up with what your spirit already knows. <laughs> I said it like this one time. Do you know what we're doing every day? I am here every day slowly becoming what I already am. Because <laughs> my spirit, it's all done. That's why Jesus said it's finished. And he went and he sat down. And you're not going to get him up. Because there's nothing for him to do. He's finished. So everything in heaven is finished. But it is yet to be played out in the earth. So now, I've got to find my way to get him 
to think like him because if any two agree, if I can just bring two into agreement, it shall be done by my Father which is in heaven. If he's thinking one thing and he's thinking another thing, then I go through my whole life confused and frustrated and I die with my dreams still in me. Your mind, just five more minutes, stay with me. Your mind, I live in the Silicon Valley right up under San Francisco and people from all different parts of the world come in there to get those jobs and so I've been dropped into many, 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 many cultures. I'm the only white guy in my whole subdivision. And so I'm in the middle of these cultures, and I'm learning them. I'm, a, I'm becoming a student of them because you have to learn. You can't act like you got all the answers. You got to learn. So I really just keep quiet and listen and try to learn. Where are they thinking? What are their perspectives? And I'm amazed at how much we have let false religions talk about mind management, but preachers don't ever talk about it. But the Bible, God is full of addressing your mind. And your thought life. And man, Philippians 3, he tells you exactly what to think. Is there anything true? Is there anything noble? Is there anything praiseworthy? He just listens and he says, think on these things. In other words, these are the meditations that you let stay. You're not in charge of all the thoughts that run through your head, but you're in charge of the ones that stay. <laughs> okay. And it's the ones that stay. It's not a random thought that determines my future. It's the thoughts that come and stay that determine my future. Your mind is like a drill bit. If you can ever get your mind to stay focused on one thing long enough, you will strike oil. I'm telling you, your mind is that powerful. And the enemy knows it. That's why he tries to keep your mind distracted. The enemy does not have to stop you. All he's got to do is distract you. Because most dreams are stalled because of broken focus. Your mind is the, if it's going to change, it's going to have to change in your mind first. So if you want to prosper, you're going to have to prosper in your thinking before you prosper in your bank account. So you're going to have to prosper in your head, and then as you think, your bank account will follow suit. If you're going to be a great leader, you're going to have to think like a great leader, and then all of a sudden your leadership skills will begin to develop behind your thinking. Come on. If you're, going to be, if you're going to be a dreamer, if you're going to be an inventor, you're going to have to think creatively. You're going to have to give your mind to creative things because everything that is, it was thought first. That chair you're sitting on was an idea before it was a chair. This microphone that I'm speaking through was an idea before it was a chair. Ideas change the whole world. We are living in a world of dead men's ideas. That string right there is trying to get me. That's three times but I'm going to defeat it. I'm so focused. Can I tell you? Your mind. The Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the high call or the upward call. <clears throat> There's not a place in God called there. There's only a place called upward. You just keep ascending. Forgetting those things which are behind. I read that and I'm like, well, God, all this stuff's happened to me. Do I just get like selective amnesia? What do you mean forgetting? 
And I looked at it and I studied it in the Greek and it means to willfully unnotice. It means I choose not to meditate on it. You choose what you focus on in life. You are not where your body is. You are where your head is. <clears throat> I can be in an airplane 36,000 feet in the air, and I can begin to think about my children. I begin to think about my wife welcoming me home with a kiss. I can begin to think about my grandbabies. And all of a sudden, I'm looking out a window 36,000 feet in the air, and a big smile's over my face, and nobody else knows it. Why? Because I'm living in my head. But I can begin thinking about every bad thing that's happening to me and everybody that's done me wrong and all the losses that I've had in life. And all of a sudden, my eyes can fill it with tears and I'm sitting there doing like this right here. Why? Because I'm not where my body is. I'm where my head is. And your head is a file cabinet. If you're old school, it's a computer chip if you're new school. And you can go back and pull every experience you've had out and you can relive it at any time you want to. You can go right back to the moment. Your mind has two abilities. I don't care if you're a neurosurgeon. It only does two things. It remembers and it imagines. <laughs> That's all it does. Your memory is the size of a closet. Your imagination is the size of a universe. Yet most of us live in a closet. We live in the room of our past. And the reason you never come out of the pain of it it's because the only thing that pulls you out of the pain of a past is you have to imagine a future so great that it causes the pain of your past to look so dismally small and insignificant because of the future that you begin to chase. Am I helping anybody in here? You don't forget everything. You just forget the things that are painful and tried to hurt you. But you got to remember victories. You got to remember when God gave you the victory. You got to remember when God brought you out. Those are things you got to remember. Let me show you memory and imagination. David is walking toward Goliath. I can't imagine being 12 years old with a slingshot and walking toward a giant that's 10 foot tall and he's a highly military trained machine. He's not just big. He's trained and big. And here's David. Memory. Well, I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. And then he goes from memory to imagination. He says, and you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you today in the name of the Lord of hosts who has given you into my hands. He already saw Goliath fall into the ground. He saw him cutting off his head. Why? Because he used the power of his memory to imagine a future and imagine his greatest victory that he's ever lived. Oh, if you just knew how to use your mind. The woman with the issue of blood said within herself, If I can just touch the, I think if I can pick myself up one more time and knock some people out of the way and leap and just breeze by the hedge of his garment, this disease will leave my body. Before she did it, she had to see it. She had to imagine it in her. Ah, there's so much, Pastor. There's so much. Because imagination determines pursuit. You've got to see something to chase something. And people that say, I'm burnt out, and people say, I ain't got nothing left. You're not burnt out. You just don't see anything. 
But once you see something, all of a sudden the energy to pursue it arises on the inside of you. Your mind determines the criteria of your faith. Thomas said, until I see the nail prints in his hands, I will not believe. So what did Jesus do? The woman with the issue of blood said, I think if I could touch the hem of his garment. Why did she do that? Why did she set that criteria? If I was losing blood and, and, and tired, I would have sat there and said, I believe if I see him. But she set the criteria for her faith. Peter said, Lord, if you bid me to come, I'll walk on this water. It's like, all right, come. Your mind sets the criteria of where God meets you. Why are you making God jump through hoops? I like the Roman centurion. He's sitting back watching Jesus do all this stuff. And they say, hey, this Roman centurion, he's got a servant back home. It's ill. And Jesus turns around, he's busy. He's like, okay, I'm, I'll get to you as soon as I can. That Roman centurion says, oh, no. You ain't got to do nothing. You just speak a word. You ain't got to show me a nail print. You ain't got to touch the hem of his garment. You ain't gonna, He says, I'm not going to make you jump through any hoops. I'm not going to make you do anything. All you got to do is just speak a word and my servant shall be healed. Some of us need to quit making God do all these calisthenics and just believe what he said and embrace it and act on it and watch it come to pass in your life. Who am I talking to? Just wave at me. <laughs> all right, I'm going to land this plane. Oh, I got I to gotta quit, quit quickly. So Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed <clears throat> by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The word prove means allow. Where is the will of God? For you died and your life is hidden in Christ. The will of God for your life is right here. And the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that your mind will allow it. Thank you, son. Stay with me. This is important. I'm going to mess you up. I'm not a God-devil preacher. Some people preach what I call a gospel of dualism. They got this good God and they got this co-equal bad devil and they get up and fight every day and you're the prize. And if you take the devil away from them, they don't even have no preaching content. They're always talking about the devil. I think the devil is thoroughly, totally, and completely defeated. Absolutely and totally defeated at the cross of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Satan is not God's enemy. God... The disciples cast out demons and came back and were so excited telling Jesus, and Jesus was not impressed at all. He said, yeah, he said, I, I remember a time Satan fell like lightning. I mean, just, we think there's this big cataclysmic battle between good and evil. Jesus said, yeah, Satan rebelled one day, and I think it went like this. <laughs> there was no big cataclysmic battle. God batted his eyes, and it was over. <clears throat> okay. Stay with me. The Bible says your adversary, the devil. The devil is your enemy. Catch this. The Bible says the carnal mind, Romans 8, 
is the enemy of God. You're not, God's not fighting a devil. God's fighting your mind. The Bible says that the carnal mind means, don't mean, don't mean sexual, it means fleshly, natural thinkers. People who can't get out of their own way. They can't see nothing up here. They just end the bog down in their mess. He says the carnal mind is the enemy of God. A carnal mind is not subject to God, nor can it be. And it dawned me, I'm fighting a devil, but God's fighting my thoughts. So a pastor gets up and says, God wants to bless you. But you remember how you were raised. And all of a sudden, your mind, the devil isn't fighting God. Your mind starts wrestling. Ah, nah. and, then, and then you're mad at the preacher. Oh, they, that blessing happens to somebody. Oh, he's talking about blessing. I'm never get blessed. It's happening in your head. The battle is between your ears. The most precious real estate in the world is the six inches between your two ears. Because it defines you. And it's the very thing that fights God. God wants to heal you. All of a sudden, nobody comes out of this. There's 30% mortality. I mean, all of a sudden, God tries to do something that gets our spirit excited and our mind just starts wrestling it. God wants to put your marriage back together. Ah, you don't know this guy I live with. Ah. And God's, God's trying to do great stuff and he's wrestling with our head. And he says, I want to transform you. But this transformation only takes place when you renew your mind. And he says, I put a new life on the inside of you. But you don't have the ability to think it. And so, I've almost made this year, I've decided this is going to be a mantra when I go on the road. I, I hear about how anointed we are. I hear about how gifted we are. I hear about how powerful we are. And I hear about all this victory Jesus has given us. And I hear the way the songs are written. And, and then we go back home and nothing changes. Quit frustrating me, telling me how victorious I am. And I go back home and my life has not moved an inch. And until my mind moves, my life is not going to move. Today is tomorrow until you learn something new. Today is tomorrow. Go ahead. It's not going to change. I'm going into this new year and I'm going to have a brand new me and I'm going to have a brand new style and I'm going to have a brand new man and I'm going to have a brand new job and I'm going to have a brand and January the 2nd came and you looked at it and it looked just like December 31st. <laughs> you got all hyped up for the new year but until you put something in here your world is not moving. You know why it's so important to go to a church that preaches the Bible? Because you can't live above what you know. You can't live above your level of revelation. That's what scares me about the churches that don't want to tell nobody nothing. I'm like, why y'all keeping everybody so ignorant? They, you keep, you're making them live life on a low level. 
Raise the stakes. Let them live big, man. Let them live big. Tell them who they really are. Tell them what they can really do. Tell them what they can really have. Tell them how far they can really go. Tell them how big they can really dream. How oh, is anybody hear what I'm saying? I feel this thing tonight. I feel it. I'm talking to somebody who needed to hear this. I want to land this plane right here. I got some more things I could say, but I, I want to. I want my first time here. I want to open up something long term. I don't want to go too long and out, outstay my time. I have a very unusual request. I've got, before I turn the microphone back over, I've got to pray for a particular group of people if I could ask you to let me have that moment. I drove almost three and a half hours leaving in that traffic. Give me this moment. <clears throat> if you say, Pastor, that is me. And you may say people would never know it by looking at me. If you respond to this, you may actually surprise everybody who knows you. They may have had no idea you felt this way. Proverbs, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon said, silent frustration rests in the belly of a fool. In other words, he says, it is foolish to be frustrated and be quiet about it. I believe I'm preaching to a generation of frustrated Christians. Why? Because you've got a destiny inside of you that will not let you go. Some of that stuff you're trying to medicate and you're causing, causing anxiety, can I tell you something? Sometimes God will divinely upset you. If you are living so far beneath who the anointing knows you, who you are, I guarantee you God will jerk your chain and rattle your cage. So I can just live my life any way I want to. Go ask Jonah how that works. Your life is not your own. You have been bought with a price. And he has something in this life for you to do. Your spirit knows what it is. But he don't know. You know what you've been through. You know what your daddy called you. You know that mama left when you were six. You know that you were bullied in school. You know you've struggled to hold down relationships. And you think that's you. That's not you. That's the way your world has shaped your thinking. But God said, I want to wash that. And if I can ever get this to agree with this, Hold on and buckle your seatbelt because the adventure begins. Can we take the titles off? How long you've been a Christian? Can we take all that stuff and can we just be really, really transparent? No heads bowed, no eyes closed. There ain't nothing to be ashamed of. If you're in here and you say, Pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's me. I'm frustrated. 
I do, I do go to bed at night and I look up at the ceiling and say, is this it? Is this all? Is this, is this, is this why I'm here? Yeah, I do feel that way. I do have this unrest on the inside of me that I'm losing time. And the calendar keeps flipping and I keep getting a few more gray hairs, but my life's not moving. If that's you right now, without fear, without inhibition, and without letting your mind talk you out of it, just stand up right where you are. Say, that's me. <laughs> I want you to look around this building. Wow. I was going to call you to the altar. There ain't enough room for you. You are the altar. <laughs> I'm going to look you right in the eyes. I'm so grateful to be here. I need some California friends. I don't have many. Your life isn't stuck. Your head is. And if you can get your head moving again, I promise you, you will get your life moving. Because your life follows your head. And we look around sometimes with deep frustrations. I just feel stuck. I just feel stuck. I just feel stuck. Your mind's just following your thinking. So where did your mind get stuck? Did it get stuck when daddy died? Did it get stuck when your best friend betrayed you? Did it get stuck at the divorce? Where did it get stuck? I'll tell you where it got stuck. The thing you can't quit thinking about. And you moved out of the world of your imagination and you went back into the closet of your memory and closed the door and you're living there. And you're miserable. Your mind has the ability. Your Bible says your God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or imagine. God is waiting for you to ask him and imagine it. God said, I can perform it if you can ask it and you can imagine it. If you don't have the ability to ask and you don't ever put anything in your imagination God can't perform it God's, God is able God's ability parallels your imagination how big is God he's as big as you make him some people say I hope God shows up at church do you know who's in charge of God showing up at church your praise God inhabits praise God lives in praise. So I get to build God a house. If I give God a great big praise, then God has a great big space to move into. I'm in charge of the square footage of God's house. If I give God a little lazy praise, then I experience a little God. God's not in charge of how good your services are. You are. 
God don't have bad services. God, God wasn't off this Sunday. Uh, God was kind of off. He wasn't on his game Sunday. No, it's we came in here lazy. We came in here with no passion. We came in here and just sung the same thing we've been singing. And so you built God a little house and you had a little experience. It's the same with your mind. His ability rises to your ask and your imagine. You say, why am I standing, Pastor? You're going to wave your hand over me and my mind's going to be renewed? Man, I wish. I'd have the biggest church in the world. I mean, I would have everybody. I'd have people flying jets into my, everybody be coming to my church. Don't work like that. But I do believe there's a moment where God can make the scales fall from your eyes. And there's a moment where God shakes your mind. You start shake my life. No, shake my mind. Shake the residue of what I've been through, my hurts, my experiences, my bitterness, my unforgiveness, my thinking. Shake my mind loose again and begin to see something, imagine something, and believe something. standing and you're close to somebody where you can. Some of you may be in a row where you're the only one standing. <clears throat> but if you're in close proximity, grab the hand of a neighbor. I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to ask God to let the scales of your imagination drop and let you see like you've never seen. Some of you better be careful. This is a dangerous prayer. I believe God's going to give you dreams in the night and visions in the day. I believe you're going to come home telling your husband and telling your wife, you ain't going to believe what I'm seeing. You ain't going to believe what God's showing me. And I believe it's going to be so revolutionary. It's going to be like something that's never happened to you before. I believe pastor's going to call me in two or three weeks and say, I'm telling you, vision has exploded in our church. People's lives are moving forward like crazy. Why? Because God took the scales of the past and pulled them from your eyes. And he's going to do it right now. Father God, in Jesus' name, you brought me here for a reason. You gave me a connection with this man of God for a reason. You let him drive all the way to San Jose to meet me for a reason. You let him invite me for a reason. You didn't bring me here just to speak. I came here to get some things moving again. Hallelujah. I came here to create movement again. And I thank you, God, that the blinders, the blinders that have stopped us, the blinders of our last bad experience, the blinders of our last painful experience, everything that stopped us dead in our tracks 10 years ago, 20 years ago, five months ago, it doesn't matter. Wherever we stopped, I take you back to that moment right now, and I thank you that grace and mercy come to it, and I release it to you right now, and I'm not going to dwell on it or meditate on it anymore, but I'm moving my mind tonight, and I ask that the scales would fall from my eyes and my imagination be turned. I'm telling you something's happening to somebody right now. May the, my imagination be turned loose. Let me believe you for things. Let me see things I've never seen. God. 
God. Let me ask for things I've never asked for. Let me believe that I really can live on that level. Let it fall right now. share this. I've, I've tried to bypass it, but I'm going to get a whipping all the way home from God if I don't share it. Oh, this is so prophetic for somebody. Elisha was building a school of the prophets and one of the men working to help build the school was slinging an axe. The axe was borrowed. And he was cutting down the tree to use the timber. And when he reared back and slung, the axe head came off the axe and landed in the water. Not only did he lose the head off the axe, but it wasn't his. He ran to Elisha, the prophet of God, and he said, the axe head, it's gone. It's come off. And Elisha said this, take me to where you lost it. He took a stick. He said, right there. I lost it right there. Elisha took a stick, threw it in the water, and the axe head floated. But he would never have gotten it if he would not have taken him to where he lost it. Where did your mind get stuck? When I leave here tonight, you got to take God there. That's your assignment. Go out in the back. Go walk around the block. I don't know what you got to do. God, my life stopped right here. I've never been the same since. Fill in the blank. When she, I never recovered. That time they you got to take God right back there because that's where you got stuck. Remember, your life is not stuck. This is stuck. God sent me here to tell you he's ready to move you forward. And tonight, he wants to shake that stuff loose. Can we take 20 seconds and everybody in the room stand on their feet and let's just clap and celebrate tonight that God shook our minds loose. Come on, raise the roof in this place. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.